0: wrapped up in the throes of preparedness. Seth's lucky cuz I cuz he came here and immediately took a big beefy shit mm. just like we talked about last week and he goes it won't be a long one and I didn't time it but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 minutes I'm going to call That's it. It's not a long one, Mark. <laughs> Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark Davis, and I'm here with Seth Ford. How are you? I am very good. How are you, Mark? Doing good. It's a Friday. Okay. <clears throat> you know? It looks like you're gritting your teeth a little bit right now. I got a little What's piece going? of burger. I stopped by uh, Burger King. Hey, now. Uh, official spoke. We're the official spokescast for Burger King.
1: We are now. We are now. For those of you that know that aren't in the know, Mark on his private Facebook account, uh, put up a picture of last week of <laughs> biting into a raw chicken from one specific rather overwhelmingly well known fast food chain. Overarching. Overarching was the photo um and telling it was why are we Mm. both talking like yoda i don't know anyway uh yeah so (laughs) since that time we have both been i think it's been discussed by more than a few people that it's really just best to go with the whopper 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 Whopper. i mean their
0: commercials are fun and they've come a long way baby they have i think anyway have it your way yes And, and if you and if
1: your way is fully cooked then have it that way. Yeah, mm. please. <clears throat> How's
0: your week been? It's been okay. Good. It's been, oh, it's been all right. Good. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear and it. And yours? Uh, it's been good. You've been busy. I've been busy as all get it's out. crazy. Yeah. I have been. Yeah. I'm back in full swing, baby. And you got things coming. On March 23rd, Mark and his oh. band, the Exploding Pagas. <laughs> yes. They will be playing it in the skies. We will, and we will be performing the song that you know as yes. the Lyrics To Go theme song. My favorite podcast song. We know it is Steady, Steady and Sure, and sure. Um, but uh, we'll be playing it. I was like, come on, let's play it. And uh, and we've been going through it, and it's a fun one. He it's, told me he had a to one. twist an arm. That's weird, because it's such a good song. Yeah, a couple of people kind of iffy on it. Gary, our pedal steel player in particular, is not very hot on it, but uh, I think he's coming around a little bit.
1: Known for being prima donnas, those pedal steel guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, sometimes
1: yeah. they can be. Sometimes. Steady and sure. I'm, I know I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh, my favorite song. And you'd say, oh, you're biased. It's It's your show. Well... No, it's a really good song. I love that song. I just happen to think that we've got the best damn podcast theme music going.
0: Have we talked about this on the pod? Me
1: and you have talked about it. I don't think it's been brought up as a topic So I don't know
0: if if I've stopped, if I've mentioned this before, just hit fast forward a time or two. But when we were first initially doing the podcast, I haven't listened to one of the first episodes of the podcast. I'd probably just crawl out of my skin. Um... But when we were first doing it, uh, we had asked Mike Cosden, uh, singer and podcast listener, a singer of uh, Exploding Pages, and um, asked him to maybe write something for us. I was putting together kind of the idea of what I wanted the podcast to be like, and um, I, I just needed something to put in so I could have like a beginning part, then the theme kicks in and then we go and I was just kind of like fumbling through some exploding pages stuff in the meantime, because I knew at least for the first couple episodes of Mike didn't give us something, we would have something to put as the beginning and the ending. Right. And while I was going through trying to decide on a song, there was a song, Steady and Sure, where the lyrics sounded like they were made for this podcast. And then I got a text and I said, look, I uh, here's what I've got. Figured out for for now, and I think I sent him like the I sent you like the first episode or whatever. Yeah, and you I think called me. Seth is a caller. I do, and Seth called me. and was just like, man, don't change a thing. I love it. Nope, it's perfect. It's perfect. perfect. And I was like, are you sure? I thought you were just as on board as I was. Well, I mean, I remember, I, you know, I I did. I felt. I weird. I seem to remember you going okay. Well, I felt yes. Re- I felt weird, like I was, you know opting my song in for a podcast that i was doing it was perfect well i think so too yeah
1: i mean i i three years in zero complaints still feel like it was hit out of the park
0: yeah and i mean the lyrics somewhere between my mouth and your ears the words got lost the idea, the idea wandered, wandered off, off. is i mean it's just like it's perfect. it's perfect for it yeah so um yeah so looking forward i think to that, that.
1: that the beginning uh of that coupled with the how we do just a little bit of us talking at the beginning, all organically formed right at the very beginning, kind of it was kind of a sign, I suppose, yeah, that you know maybe we should be doing this, maybe we should be, and three years on here we are, but yeah, it just it just seemed to kind of unfold there the 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 production at the beginning,
0: and to be completely honest, I don't even remember from the beginning if we did talking in the beginning, I think at first, the idea that I had was just to just have the song start and then you know for it to go you know, from there, I
1: do remember. You and I both sat down to record the first episode, and you were like, let's just get some stuff. Let's just, you know, test things out, look at waveforms and things like that. And we just started talking goofy and silly, and it just popped up. And then when I listened to the episode, you just left it in.
0: Yeah, partially an idea that's taken from Hollywood Handbook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they do a little. Pre talking over over the opening theme song, yeah. um, but in any event, uh, wow, way to uh, way to wax nostalgic just for a minute about past episodes. Oh no, I mean I absolutely love it. Before we get into the episode, can I just bring something up, please?
1: It was Mark's birthday uh, the, when we last recorded. It was the day of that night we left, and we went and had an. I had a shitload of fun. At I had your, a blast at
0: your birthday party. Oh, we got to talk about this.
1: Yeah, I had a shitload of fun. It was great. We had a lot of laughs, a great lot of people, of people entertaining each other. We can run down real quick: D- Doug, Tommy, Jamie, Kristen, Kristen, um, Fletcher, F- Leo, Fletcher, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and Mark, uh, Mark and I. But I mean, it was just it was a it was really really fun. at a, at, a, at a hibachi grill um a lot of great conversation and then towards the end of the night somebody brings up i think the way it came up is that i said i thought that um mistakenly that jamie lee curtis was in a movie and it was wrong fletcher corrected me he was right he always is um especially when it comes to tv comics stuff like that media of any kind right and then um he's happened to mention oh jamie lee curtis she was in that one of the final episodes the second season of bear and i was like what's the bear and he goes you haven't seen the bear And I went, no, I haven't seen the bear. I'm sorry, should I catch up? And he's like, yes, yes, you should. And then it goes around the table. Oh, he hasn't. And everyone else. So I felt this overwhelming weight put upon me that everyone else at the table, all these people that I had just had a wonderful time with, had seen the show. So what do I do? I run right home, turn it on. And to tell you, to to put it mildly, The first episode and a half I watched all of, and it was the most depressing thing that I had ever seen. It was essentially eight people arguing, fighting, mad at each other in the most, I can only think that a German World War II prison camp is a more toxic work environment than what was portrayed on this show. And then midway through the second one, long drawn out scene of the main character sitting there obsessively scrubbing one spot on the floor and i thought to myself i just can't watch this anymore this is awful and i turned it off talked to my mark and, and and jamie and fletcher had all said i want a text tonight and tell us what you think obviously i did not text them i didn't want to let them down and at the same time i thought i was being punked <laughs> i seriously did i thought that this is a joke this is 100 100- so I called Mark the next day. He said, wow, I can't believe you feel that way. I said, Mark, it was just an, an episode and a half of, of pure arguing, people arguing, horrible people arguing with each other. He said, I know. And I said, yeah, well, you don't have anything to say of it? And he said, keep watching. I said, well, a- am I being punked? He said, no. <laughs> so
0: I hung up the phone with him. He goes, I know you, uh, you've given... He goes, the only reason... The only reason I'm going to keep going is because you have suggested stuff and you've not let me down yet. Yeah. It's the only reason. Yep. And I said, okay. So I immediately turned the television on. I had time.
1: I sat there and from the moment, from that scene onward, I've been hooked. I'm glad you came around. I've been hooked. That show is incredible, man. (laughs) Yeah. And Mark even told me, he said, oh, the... The soundtrack, the, the the music to it will just get you. And one of the things that hooked me is that I see, uh, when I turn the TV back on, it's a scene where Richie, I don't, for those of you that haven't seen he's like a real abrasive guy, all of a sudden has this human moment. And I'm thinking to myself, well, finally we see a human moment. I wasn't hooked on it like right away, but I thought, well, we have seen something different. And then in the background, they start playing the It's Too Late to Stop Now version of St. Dominic's Preview, by Van Morrison, which it's too late to stop now, is one of the best live albums ever made, and I freaking love that song. And I said, and I immediately thought, Mark said it was the soundtrack, and I thought, oh my god, it's it's got to be good from here and from every second forward. And I just um, uh, today before I talk to you finished the Fishes episode, the episode with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh my god, that's one of the best television shows, single <laughs> shows ever, man. Isn't it incredible? It is incredible. Just the act you watch, how many are people? Nine people are in that episode. Yeah, something like that. Just a a Hollywood. It's a master a master class in acting. It's a master. It is unbelievable the acting job. I'm glad of you made
0: everyone. it. everyone. I was going to ask you how far you got. So holy I mean, holy shit! Yeah, you know, I thought that he didn't text back because he was just so encapsulated, and yeah. I found out. You know, he was like, "Are you kidding me?" and I just I was like you just got just please trust me he just said keep, keep going. watching keep going yeah and so I mean I it's it's hard to watch a lot of it I mean because it deals with a lot of a lot of heavy um a, a lot of heavy ideas subject matter yeah. and a lot of heavy subject matter and what a great segue to talk about this week's song we're going to be talking about The Sarah McLachlan song, Possession.
1: Maybe one of our heaviest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, You know, I said last week there might be a little bit of laughing, and maybe there will be. There will Um, be a couple, I think. But um, very, very, very heavy song. If you know Sarah McLachlan at all, you may very well know her for her ASPCA song, um, which brings many people to tears. Sort of. Um, What do you mean sort of? I mean, I... I hate that damn
1: song, man. I'm sorry. It's, you... I will remember. Every time that I'd see those dogs pop on there and, and and that song, at first you're like, oh, those poor dogs. But after like three or four times of hearing the song, you're like, fuck that
0: song, man. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It definitely is a form of emotional abuse. <laughs> it is. The it song Angel is. by Sarah McLachlan oh. is used. Um, if you're unfamiliar with Sarah McLaughlin, we can kind of give you a quick once over. Um, to start with, she's Canadian. She is Canadian, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She was uh, born in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia.
1: Oh, that's a little far off actually.
0: Um, and a girl guide of Canada. She was uh, a ukulele player when she was the age of four. Mm-hmm. been involved in music, most of her pretty much all of her life mm-hmm. uh, studied. Guitar, classical, piano, and voice at the Maritime Conservatory of Music. Conservatory. No better place to
1: study music at than next to the Maritime. Yeah. 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 I mean,
0: we're both near the water. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, she knows her shit. She is, uh, she is very, very good. She was in a band for a little while um, and ended up getting picked up by uh, the record label Network. N-E-T-T-W-E-R-K. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fresh out of this band that she was And it kind of did I think like new wave stuff mm-hmm. Called the October game There you go Very edgy Wow yep. yeah that's mm-hmm. very 80s to 90s mm. And she started doing her own stuff uh, She moved to Vancouver uh, She recorded her first album Touch in 1987 mm-hmm. um, And then her 1991 album Solace Was a breakthrough hit in Canada For mainstream She got a couple songs there. And then in 1993, she released an album called Fumbling Towards Ecstasy, which sounds like a bunch of drunk kids at a rave (laughs) fumbling towards some pills that were scattered upon the floor. Fumbling towards the pill jar. (laughs) Yes. Fumbling towards Molly. Um, And on that album was the song Possession. I mean, 1993, she had released Two albums, and then she was releasing her third, Mm. and was really starting to um, to really start to kind of hit the limelight. She really didn't hit it big, big until 1997 with her album "Servicing." The album after this,
1: really, do you think that Fubbling or "Towards Ecstasy" was not her the big one? Well, I mean,
0: it definitely. I mean, I remember hearing this song, but I mean, servicing. She received two Grammy Awards for the Best for Female sur- Pop okay. Vocal Performance for Building a Mystery. Right. And Best Pop Instrumental Performance for Last Dance. And she won four Juno Awards. Okay. So I mean, I there's no doubt that this album Well was was big. But... Fumbling
1: towards Ecstasy went three times platinum.
0: Yes. So I mean I think but a lot of that I think was kind of on the tails of of um surfacing getting big. Okay. Um, I mean I don't have do I have anything really to back that up no but that's just kind of like my feeling on right
1: it. I think there were ultimately bigger songs overall on uh, surfacing
0: oh yeah for sure. I <laughs> yeah, mean building but, a mystery was uh,
1: see the reason what I'm once again relating it to is my biggest uh, working in the mid 90s at, at a record store and fumbling towards ecstasy came out and all the ladies at the record store just loved the record. They thought yeah. it was great, you know. So and
0: servicing what is her best selling album to date?
1: Oh, really? Okay. For what All it's right. worth. So there you go.
0: Um, she also founded the Lilith Fair. Mm. If you're unfamiliar with the Lilith Fair, if you are a younger chap, unlike Seth and I, who are old men needing canes, mm-hmm. um, it was basically a music um, so festival, festival, traveling festival for women or women singer songwriters. Bands that mostly consisted of women, etc. So you'd see your, you know, Sarah McLaughlin's. You'd see your Michelle Branches, maybe
1: your Paula Coles, your Lisa Lobes, yeah, Michelle yeah. McCordry's. Uh, yes. there were at the time, you know, big names, uh, big big lady names. Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, what's her name? Uh, Little Earthquakes, Tori Amos. Tori Amos was on Lilith at any point. Very well, could she's? Been. I mean, she, in my opinion, of this ilk. She was probably
0: my favorite. I was a very big Tori. Yeah, she was very good. Very horny. (laughs) A lot of straddling uh, her. I went and saw her at the Barbara B. Man. I remember the show. I didn't know you were at it. I was. (coughs) Excuse me. uh, With past guest Jeannie Carmichael. Oh, wow. uh, Okay. Who was also very into her. That makes sense. Um, So. She releases... So I, uh, go, okay. go ahead. No, 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 no. Go. Keep going. I got, sure? We're going to get to something. Yeah, go ahead. Well, she releases Fumbling Towards Ecstasy and um, in 1993, September 10th. Wow. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Which doesn't really mean anything because it was 1993. Not really, actually. But it's still.
1: The day before, now we know it as. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so this song was released as the first single from it, produced by Pierre Marchand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Canada. <Yeah. laughs> Um, take you to poutine and crepe. <laughs> yes, um, this song actually appears twice on the album, once the it main does. version, um, and then once, it's, which is a piano-only track that is kind of like a hidden track at the end.
1: Kind of why?
0: Mm. Okay, so go ahead. Well, um, so I it, kind of where we go from here gets is what tricky. I want to get to.
1: Yeah. So can you just do you want to? Tell us how you
0: feel about, not the lyrics, the song overall. It's a fine song. It's it's a 90s, is it? Uh, It's a 90s song with that like trip hop drum beat thing. You know, is it my thing? No, but we've talked about it before. This song isn't made for me. This song is highly unremarkable. Well, I really like the backing vocals on it. Mm. I really like the harmonies. They're, they're good, uh, and the, and the, it's very, very hooky. Um, Is it? I think so. I think it's almost kind of that, it's trying to get to a hook, but never turns that corner. Yeah, I don't know that. That yeah. take my breath. It really really sticks with me Does that's it? the thing that when she sang that i was like i remember this song yeah yeah yeah
1: well yes it's the well, one it's a look, but it's but it's not it's not a strong one that's my problem with them it's like the song is almost devoid of dynamics mm-hmm. except it, for that one spot i would say that's and fair it, and it's not and it and, and it and it like if that take my breath when it gets to that, you're like, "Oh, that's gonna sink me," but then it just kind of settles back into a, a three minute malaise, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of does. It's just it it it's like I said, unremarkable.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I think it's fine now. Uh, lyric wise, mm.
1: if you were to just make this a poem, what insight?
0: Well, yeah. So there's a couple of different interesting things there are about this song and about this situation. Um, I, you know, I always wonder um, what listeners of the podcast look up or what they get into between us saying, this is the song we're going to do. And the song coming out, if they, look up to try and find out exactly where we're going to go or what we're going to talk about. Do you do that listener? Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious to know. Um, so the mu there's two, mu- where do we even go from here? There's two music videos. There's one that was released in Canada, the much music version we'll call it. And then there was another one that was released in America. We'll call it the MTV version. Hmm. The MTV version is pretty, um, it's pretty, as they would say in, uh, I think you should leave. It's pretty meat and potatoes. Um, It's, you know, it's uh, pablum. her looking over, you know, doing weird things with her head, kind of looking around and it's her band playing and they all look like they're from the 90s. They're all wearing like um, fucking weird Paisley vests, black crush velvet, <laughs> very high pants. It's
1: just it's it's. It's boring as shit. Yeah. It's just bland and boring and they're playing in what looks like an abandoned church maybe, which is a common theme of the 90s. At one point she sits in between these columns and leans her head out like she's like she's leaning out of a drive-through window
0: expecting someone to
1: pull forward. Yeah, really boring.
0: The 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 Wikipedia article has a section for Canadian version music video and United States version. The United States version uh is two sentences. The video for the U.S. market released in 1994 features the original album version of the song being played by McLaughlin and her band in a cathedral-style hall. It was directed by Julie Hermelin. Okay. That's it.
1: That's all it deserves.
0: The Canadian version has got a lot to say. Yeah, a little different. And we'll talk about it a little bit as it pertains to the lyrics. The original version of the video features a remixed background track and depicts Sarah McLaughlin wrapped in white cloth as Eve, Potiphar's wife. Oh, I got it right. And such I, I said it. Oh. I told you. And other such biblical references depicting vanity, deceit, corruption, intimacy, and other taboos of conservative society. As McLaughlin explained, oh, it's so lofty. It's pompous now. I was trying to dispel that by showing a bunch of female archetypes using historical paintings, Venus. Adam and Eve, Salome's Last Dance. Ah. I wanted to show all women possessing all these different archetypes. I also had myself suspended in air and wrapped in gauze as if my personality and my sexuality were bound throughout the video. I was being unraveled by unseen forces and I came out in the end strong and free and ta-da, there I was my own self. Yes, it was pretty lofty and the label told me Uh, the video was directed by her. She did go to school for art. And art design, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, she decided to take that on.
1: Okay, so she's sitting here talking herself down, saying it's lofty, saying that you know she might cringe on. It. Listen, uh, it is light years better than the American version, and is trying to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give her credit. Yeah, let's give her credit. It's not. Okay. It's and it's not. It is not horrifically bad. There are things that I question about it. Why did she? There, one thing that they didn't mention is that. Throughout the video, she's giving this like seriously lengthy soul back massage hug to this faceless male, uh, somewhere between 20s and adolescent male, never see his face, but she's just clinging to him. And that is somewhat moving in a way. It kind of, she's trying to say
0: something with that. I don't know what. And when you really start digging into the lyrics, um I mean... I, I, I'm going to hold off on talking about the lyrics for a minute, but when you really dig into what she was talking about, um, it definitely starts getting strange um, because of what the song is about. Um, so <laughs> uh, I'll start off by saying that um, McLaughlin commented on a Reddit AMLA. You wouldn't believe how many people use that song for their wedding. And I just smile quietly what? to myself oh my like, God. oh, that's nice. Now, I will say, I mean, <laughs> we've heard that before. We have. Yeah. With uh, every breath you take. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, I think when you take these lyrics just kind of at face value, um, it sounds like someone who, you know, it's the it's the fine line and the devil's in the details here. Mm-hmm. It's the fine line between requited. Uh, fascination
1: and unrequited obsession, yeah, yes, that's exactly what it is. So how do we know which one we're dealing with when I, I don't know about you, but when I read because I hadn't heard the song, when I read the lyrics i am and i I knew I had a heads up, but I thought to myself, even without the heads up, why I thought it was insightful, this sounds like a woman who's had people that are obsessed over her well.
0: That's what it is. Your creepdar was yeah,
1: spot on. It's, it's, that's exactly. It sounds to me like a woman who is it, the writer of this poetry has dealt with this a lot and is familiar with it and has made herself so familiar that she has some insightful words to put to it. Can't say so much for the music, but the words definitely, <laughs> definitely are insightful. Like I
0: said, as a piece of poetry, I, I'm kind of struck by it yeah um, this is uh, so how much do we want to go into this Seth how well I, much... here's here's how much I do want to go into it as far as it, it, it when you read her
1: Wikipedia page, you get all the information right in the first paragraph that you're going to get about sales and how big that person is and what made them initially famous and that is all covered but then when you go into early and personal life, which is if, if you've read Wikipedia you know that's one of the first things as far as like one of the the bullets on there. Uh, four paragraphs down immediately brings up this song. So mm-hmm. it is a big part of her life. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a focal point of her life.
0: Yeah. It's always something when you look at the, the human being, the, the musicians page and it mentions a song. Yeah. It's one thing when you look, you know, of course, if you look at the songs, Wikipedia, it's gonna talk about it. When you look at the album, if it mentions a song, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is a standout track. When you look at the musician, the biography. And yeah. it mentions a song, you're like, hey, boy. This means something. Yeah. yeah. So do we want to talk about what happened or do we want let's, to let's do some lyrics? Yeah, let's get in some lyrics. All right. Let's yeah, yeah. let's get into a little bit of the lyrics. This organ part, did this sound did this remind you of anything? No. It reminded no. me of the beginning of us. And them by really? Pink Floyd. You think so. I love that that song. creeping organ that it's happens fantastic. in the beginning of Us and Them. Yeah. Um. And I listened to both of them, and there's definitely. I mean, you know, whatever. It's fading in Hammond, so it yeah. is what it is. Okay. Um. And then we get her first, uh, her first verse. Listen as the wind blows from across the great divide. Voices trapped in yearning. Memories trapped in time. The night is my companion. And solitude my guide. Would I spend forever here and not be satisfied? And of course, then we get our little drum intro and we get that little Mm -hmm. cheesy ass guitar lick well isn't this where the drums come in well right here yeah
1: yeah this is this is like where it kicks into that that uh damn i wish i was your lover you know kind of it's
0: the 90s yeah, yes, it's that it, trip hop. Yeah, kind of thing. Almost
1: a, a little bit. Um, what do you call that? That who's that other group that every song sounds the same? Portishead. Uh, Portishead. Yes, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, so right. Sorry, off Portishead the, lovers. I mean, that's just how I feel. The just right off the bat, man. Verse. I guess it's it's supposed to be first one, but it's, it's Portishead fucking music or not? No, mm. I don't think so.
0: Thing Portishead's horny fucking music, and I don't. Our, our our good friend Mike Mitchell disagreed. Big Portishead fan, and was like this, but the the lyrics are all sad, and I was like, yeah, but they're like horny sad, and they sound horny. I don't like it. I don't well, know. You you know the cramps. Okay, well yeah, the cramps just... are fucking music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Sorry. Well different kind of lovers. all women are bad all All right i'm sorry go ahead yeah
1: so this first even without getting there's eight bars in this first verse even without getting to the whoa second you know the second set of bars the second four listen as the wind blows from across the great divide voices trapped in yearning memories trapped in time some would say that's I can see some people out there going, uh, you know, it's it's it sounds like it was written by a, a young girl, um, you know, like who loved to write in her journal that's attempting poetry, but I immediately see something more there. And and immediately <laughs> creep factor gets ratcheted just from that first one. Because any young lady that is voices trapped in yearning memories trapped in time, this this woman at this point in time, she's in her twenties. There's not that many memories in her life, and if they are there, if they're trapped, I can guarantee you, the way that she's
0: making this, the way that it's being expressed, they're not good memories. Well, I want to start off by saying that she is writing this from, from the, the perspective, perspective, yes, of a an obsessed fan, yeah, or an, or an obsessed fan, yeah, and you know, I know you, there. Oh, it, uh, There have been a lot of jokes made about, you know, the difference between, um, you know, a creep and someone who's not a creep is whether or not they're handsome or whether or not they have a lot of money, which is not is definitely not true. But, uh, you know, there is (laughs) I could see if if you if if someone was into somebody and found out these lyrics were written about them, it would be. I, I could see them being like, "This is hot."
1: Really? Yes. You think so? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I feel the same on that one. I got to think about that. Well, one. Well,
0: because I mean, it all comes down to requited versus unrequited, or welcome versus unwelcome. Maybe not all, but a large part of it. So that can exist, but is it always healthy? Well, that's a different conversation entirely. Yeah. So I'm not talking about whether or not it's healthy. You know, I'm saying that you know, if you're into somebody and then you found out that they wrote the song, and you were like, "Oh my God, they feel the same way about me that I do about them," and 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 they're saying, you know, that they're because you know who doesn't love you know, the, a lot of people fantasize about or love the the loner, you know, the person who, uh, you know, me. <laughs> maybe isn't a loner like the guy that we're going to be talking about here. Right, right. Um, but, you know, just someone who's uh, mysterious and kind of, uh, you know, off to the side. And, um, you know, if you're into them and you find out that they don't they don't fuck with most people, but they fuck with you mm. and you like them. Okay. It, there can be some... Well, there uh, can be a connection under those
1: circumstances. My question is, are you bringing this up in light of, or should I say, should I say, um how many flags arise in these first two eight bars How many how many flags arise Are there any or is it or is it okay
0: is it innocuous at this point I,
1: I think mean, one
0: pops up I think that there is a couple of light pink flags at the very least Yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of like um you know voices trapped in yearning Memories Trapped in Time. I mean, Pink flag. Uh, pink yeah. flag. The night is my companion and solitude my guide. It's getting a darker pink. That is where we start getting a little bit creeper. Um, I would would I spend forever here and not be satisfied? Red flag. Yeah, okay. I think we're there. Yeah. I think we're there.
1: So, yeah. Uh, it's just... It... She is writing it. It takes a minute for you to get it, but she is writing it from the perspective of someone that's been there, of someone that's... And we know that uh, we're going to go over that a little bit later on in more wiki articles and other articles that have popped up. Um, and the beautiful part is, can we just go ahead and say it now? She got sued by a fan. I can get his name. Mark, do you have his name? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So
0: are we are we going to get into this? Well,
1: I, I think this is a good spot to So mention, his name is
0: Yui Vandre. <laughs> Um, an and, obsessed fan from Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, f- and he uh, was writing love letters to her for two or three years um, and wrote some pretty obsessed stuff and um, was definitely weirding her out. Now, he wasn't the only one. I mean, Sarah McLaughlin is, um, you know, she's an attractive talented woman Mm. in thrust into the public eye and so you know you get a lot of fucking creep shows who these things are prone to happen see these things and um it's just unusual that this guy stands up and goes it's me it's
1: me i'm the stalker i'm the one i'm the stalker that's something you don't see often but she did wind up winning the lawsuit that he challenged that he um, he acknowledged that he was the person that had sent quite a few letters to her and that the uh, inspiration for the song was those letters. Uh, consequently, precautions were taken to ensure McLaughlin's safety and she had to be in the same location as Vandre. Before the trial began, however, Vandre was found dead in an appa- in, in apparent suicide. Uh, his preoccupation with M- McLaughlin was explored at length uh, in Canadian author Judith Fitzgerald's book Building a Mystery, the Story of Sarah McLaughlin and Lilith Fair. I don't know if I'd want to read that. That sounds kind of depressing. Um but you know, for those of psychology fans out there, uh, maybe you might want to look at this. I'm not sure. I mean, somebody needs to study it for sure. I just don't think I'm that person. Um but it, it, it's unusual that you had somebody stand up and say, "It's me. I'm the one that sent the, you know, the, the crazed uh, obsessed letters." And uh yeah, uh it sounds like she if if she did in fact um use it for song fodder she used it to great effect in the lyrics at least in the first verse in my opinion
0: so seth just steamrolled over i'm (laughs) basically the big reveal of the episode so to kind of backtrack a little bit over it so she received a bunch of (laughs) i I did my work on this episode man i'm sorry no 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 i know I just, I figured we'd wait a little until a little bit later in the episode, but, but we're there already. Um, this is a, a poem that he wrote, uh, for her Shit. object of obsession. Ugh. Oh, Sarah, will I ever hold you on that shore or only live it in a dream? Will I ever tell you of my fears? Will you ever collect my tear? Uh, he wrote that to her in 1992 letters to Sarah. One, a singular tear? One tear. Okay. Um, he, um, he, was such a loner. He was a computer engineer and no one even realized that he was missing for a while. His neighbors found his letters piling up at his door and started cleaning them up for him, wondering what was going on until someone knocked over his bike. And when they noticed that his bike wasn't getting picked up, they kind of thought something was wrong. Uh, But it took weeks apparently for anybody to realize that he was missing. It wasn't until someone found his truck um, that was parked out by the woods And went to go see it uh, and see what was going on, that they found his dead body in the back um, with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Let me repeat the lessons that you may not have learned well. Time and distance are irrelevant. I am absorbed by, bound to you, and I can wait a year, a decade, a lifetime. I will still be here, cherishing, contemplating, waiting. Well, apparently he couldn't wait that long because me,
1: man. Jesus.
0: So basically what happened is, you know, she puts out this song and he says, wait a minute, you're using letters that I wrote you. And so now I'm going to sue you for the rights for this song. And basically it was a ploy to try and get close to her. And so the judge had to make all these, you know, special um, you know, situations trying to find a way for both of them to be there where he couldn't get close to her. Yeah. He did confront her in the past at one of her concerts, but it was very brief. Um, and she, you know, <laughs> tell this me it is wasn't the outside only... the Dakota. <laughs> T- Jesus, this is not the only fan that she had writing stuff like this. And uh, I'll, I'll read a couple of quotes, uh, a little bit later on, uh, so we don't blow our proverbial well, load let's, right let's here in get the to beginning. this chorus, man. I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to,
1: yeah. but,
0: uh, he he then i mean she she won the the lawsuit but basically because he killed himself by default um and the um i read that the 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 lawyer tried to convince the family to press on with the lawsuit and and the lawyer would do that and, and, yes and that's what and, and the do. family was like no <laughs> We're all set. Let's let
1: sleeping stalkers lie.
0: We're not going to. Uh, we're not going to follow this yeah. down.
1: And 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 the chorus is really where it ramps up. big time. Yeah.
0: yeah. So then we get the chorus, and I would be the one to hold you down, kiss you so hard. I'll take your breath away, and after I'd. Wipe away those tears. Just close your eyes, dear. Mark, you and
1: I have the benefit of going over week after week lyrics and go and studying them and understanding them, and we've seen stuff along these lines throughout the three years, the 160-something episodes that we this were... This is 66. Exactly. Do you think that there are some people out there that might look at these words and say, how romantic yes yeah unfortunately i hate to say that well,
0: i mean there are people that use the song for their fucking wedding. wedding yeah um and i mean like th- this chorus i think taken out of context if you're thinking of it coming from the right person it sounds romantic it could be and this is I uh, you know sarah mclaughlin sarah i call her sarah has been through Mixer. a terrifying ordeal. Getting letters like this from people that you can't put a face to or even ones you can put a face to um, is is terrifying. I can't imagine what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like being a woman in this fucking world where. Men are OK with doing stuff like this a lot of the times. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it in the past with ABBA. Where there was a full fledged fucking uh, stalker who got married to one of the members. She married him, <laughs> and so you know that does nothing but kind of build up people's, um, you know, the, it builds up their faith in themselves. And yeah, like if not if if that can happen to them, why can I not? Why can it not happen to me? Yeah. Why? What's wrong, What's so bad with me that I can't make the object of my accept, obsession my own? So. I'm not here to tell Sarah what she can and can't do, but the music videos one of the things that's very weird especially with the music version is that there's definitely some like come hither looks and some sexuality strewn in that <laughs> make it uh <laughs> whoopsie <laughs> that uh that make it seem kind of weird. Yeah. Did you get that as well? Yes. I yeah. mean, yeah,
1: there's uh, <laughs> It's, I mean look, it's, you can get, I mean it, it, to a certain degree, let's, let's face it, man. So uh, years ago, when Christina Aguilera came out, I would listen to her saying, "I'm a sucker for a good voice man." And she and they made videos where she stares deeply into the camera and is obviously it looks like she's trying to draw you in a rational person with you know a functioning head would say no that's just that's them that's selling a record you know that's sell- they're, they're they're obviously selling something she right. wants to move units here whereas there are people out there that are going to think that are just going to latch on and it's going to be all that they are from from lack of uh, from, from lack of contact from lack of uh, of You know, they need a hug, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And this is one of those things where, like, if you don't know that she's singing from the point of view of a stalker or an obsessed fan and you just read this and you're thinking about, you know, someone that you just met a couple weeks ago and you're, like, picturing them saying that they want to be the one that kisses you hard and takes away your breath and holds you down. I mean, you know, people like being bound during sex when it's, uh consensual and when it's with someone that they know and trust they do yeah i don't know about that oh jesus christ Seth, not into that well you might not be it's not my thing yeah okay well the world there's a big wide world that exists outside of what you like to do in the bedroom (laughs) i tried to put myself into their shoes into the mind of someone who is so obsessed with another person that they could conceive murdering them it took me a while to justify that one as a woman living with that fear in the back of your mind every day with the possibility of being raped. And so it's kind of weird for me, but then I save myself in the third verse by saying I'd never really act on it except in my dreams. And maybe that's putting me into a false sense of reality, but it did help not just that, but writing the whole song was kind of a cleansing thing for me because I had two people in particular who just became incredibly intense with the fantasy world that they created and demanded that that was reality, and we had to be together. And they went to great lengths to make this happen. It became frightening, but it ticked me off that I had to look over my shoulder every time I walked out the door. There was one point where I was told that I'd have to have a bodyguard. It was like, screw that. I don't want to live in fear. It makes me so angry. I started to get some uh, really bad anxiety when I'd be standing
1: in line at Tim Hortons, eh? (laughs) I mean... You know, it's, uh, it's, it's ugly, <laughs> it man. Sucks. It sucks for her. It sucks for ladies, man. You know? Yeah. Especially when they're just trying to express themselves and oops, sorry. All of a sudden, you know, Leonard over here in Ottawa takes it the wrong way and thinks that I'm going to be his forever
0: woman that he'll keep in a jar. Yeah. You know. So, all right. Um, so then uh so yeah, the, the chorus I think once you have an idea of what is being talked about and you know that it's about, you know, some fucking weirdo dude who's, you know, hold up into and people like the their next-door neighbor uh the one of the guys they interviewed said, "Well, my neighbor talked to him once and all he talked about was Sarah McLaughlin. And people that said they talked to him all he did was talk about Sarah McLaughlin. And when the song came out and he started the um the uh the lawsuit, he openly sent his po like these books of poems and stuff to radio stations saying, Look at these poems and you'll see how alike they are. Um so it is pretty clear that this guy was not firing on all cylinders. And he was pretty routine in uh, standing up his bike, eh? <laughs> yeah. When I noticed that he didn't put his bike up, oh, I knew something was wrong. I was thinking, is Sarah in there? <laughs> she was not, thank God. She was not. Um, well, verse so, two, Mark. Yeah, after that little uh, that little chorus... Episode. Um, we get some more of the organ there, and uh, then we bust into the second verse. Through this world I stumbled so many times betrayed trying to find an honest word to find the truth in the slave. oh you speak to me in riddles and you speak to me in rhymes my body aches to breathe your breath your words keep me alive oh. Jesus Christ, that's yeah. shivery,
1: creepy, man. That yeah. she is good at what she does, man, in 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 presenting this character in in presenting this viewpoint. Mark, do you think in those first couple of lines that she's
0: it almost sounds like she's sympathetic to him? Well, I you think know, I think to an extent she is. And we talked about the music, the Canadian music video. By that, I mean, through this world I stumble so
1: many times betrayed. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I, just for the listener to understand. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about the guy leaning on her oh. and her holding him up. And I mean, like, look, is that not... Has that not been kind of the... Has that not been kind of automatically the job of the woman, kind of pushed upon them to help out the guy, to be the sympathetic?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 the, the, the uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, now it 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 puts itself out there that that's a little bit unhealthy, Mark. Sure. Yeah. Now
0: I do want to say this is this is interesting, and I don't think this is ever something that we've talked about on the podcast. But you know, there is a difference between someone doing what naturally comes to them and being happy, playing that part because it comes to them naturally. It's another thing to rebel against something because you're feeling like you are being forced to play a part. Hmm. Now I'm going to speak in very large generalities here. So please don't rake me over the coals or if you want to, you can rake me over the coals. But I mean, Generally speaking, when we're speaking about gender conforming people, um, assigned male at birth males that feel like what we think of as masculine and gender, you know, assigned female at birth women that feel like what we consider in society feminine, I think usually fall into a lot of specific what we would call norms for lack of better terms, Mm -hmm. where men go and, and do whatever labor or whatever and protect stuff. You know, we're talking like fucking, uh, uh, you know, caveman shit and where women take care of them. And I, you know, there are a lot of women uh, where a lot of people get fucked up is when a woman is like, well, I would be fine staying at home and taking care of my man and people go, well, that's not very feminist of you. And it's like, well, it's completely feminist of me if that's what I want to do. It is unfeminist oh. to tell me that I have to do it.
1: This is a this is a classic question. What you're asking. What are you doing? Are is it is it part of who you are, or is it just part of your gen conforming gender stereotype?
0: Well, and I mean this like This is a classic yeah, question. Yeah, I mean right? I think that I you know I, I guess, it you know, it, it could come from it could come from a number, you know, it could come from different things for sure. It could be that, it you know, a lot of it is societal or whatever could be um, hardwired, could be, right. you know, raised into you, taught, educated throughout life. I get what right. you're saying. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think all that women are asking is for them to make the decisions for themselves without being told you have to be the caregiver you have to be the empathetic one you have to be the one oh jesus christ or
1: shit or even that you have to be cold and turn this person away i mean it could go both
0: sides well, i mean and same thing Wh- with men yes. which is the healthy thing which, in this case i mean but um you know i think that we've made huge strides i um, agree with uh, you take, and we just talked about this last week but uh, or two weeks ago we've made huge strides in cutting down toxic masculinity which is different than masculinity as we discussed last you know a couple weeks ago but there's nothing wrong with being masculine there is something wrong with being you know with it with with exhibiting signs of toxic toxic masculinity i've got
1: to tell you what to do masculinity right exactly and i thought you were going to say in 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 our society we have made strides to make to open the roles up Mm-hmm. I believe we have. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have. I think it's a good thing. I think we still obviously have a long way to go. But to deny that we haven't made those strides is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, yeah. let's face it. Women are not the same as they were 60 years ago. It's not. The roles that they have, it's it's more open for them. Yes. And on and I also said earlier, and on both sides, it's their choice if they want to be sympathetic. In this case, I don't think it's healthy. It's also their their choice. And in this case, I think it is healthy to completely cut that person off and say, you need to figure this out before you take another step forward with another person, much less some uh, a, a partner or a, you know, a person of the opposite sex. You know, yeah. you, there,
0: there's shit you got to get through. Well, and, you know, and there's been a lot of discourse and a lot of discussion about, you know, women being nice because they have to be nice because that is how society treats them and how society... You know it's the role that's been thrust on exactly yeah Yeah. and I mean I honestly think that some of it may just be because women just tend to naturally try to see the viewpoint Uh, they're naturally more empathetic and so we get this we get her kind of looking through the eyes of this guy and in the third verse making an excuse for him saying that it's all in a dream and that's what makes it okay Which, I mean, in part, and I'm no fucking psychologist, so, you know, fuck me running, but, (laughs) you know, partially could just be for her sake to make, to give it a reason so she can Mm. fucking sleep at night. Mm. Like, this is why he thought that was okay, and so that makes it, like, more digestible for me, and I would understand that. But part of it could just be because, you know, she just she naturally finds a reason to feel bad for people who even do bad things because, you know, this stuff is usually, you know, the result of abuse, sexual or physical or emotional abuse or whatever, or lack of intimacy or affection, right. Or something. And so, um, you know, truly that's been studied. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I kind of bristle at the saying of this, but, Truly empathetic people and I Don't really mean that but like People that you know it's easy to just be like Oh well I feel bad for people But I mean to feel bad for people Who are considered kind of the dregs That's some Jesus shit It where is it's like, absolutely you
1: know, mother Caprini shit And then and imagine you know, a world without
0: that man. Oh exactly and I, and I mean And then you look at the, the Canadian music video With all this religious imagery And um yeah. you know I yeah. think that You know I don't know I, I I don't really know how i i mean all this kind of i think ties together i'm not saying that like she is saying it's okay what happened and what these people were doing i'm i feel like at this point i'm just kind of like hearing myself talk but i'll just end it
1: with this um please listener go out there and shovel the coals get your rake and bring them to facebook or lyrics to go at the at instagram or lyrics to go pod at gmail.com by all means pile it on if you disagree with mark let us know
0: yeah please yeah. murder me <laughs> um so yeah I mean she is you know is again in the shoes of this of this obsessed fan um who you know is saying to her you speak to me in riddles you speak to me in rhymes mm. just hearing these lyrics um, you know these things that she's saying as they are like directed specific to them my body aches to breathe your breath Yeesh. your words keep me alive that's definitely uh, you know I read some of those poems from uh, you precious shit you remember when I consumed your words Ugh. then we get another uh, then we get another chorus uh, do we want to do it again I don't we'll want do do to no. do it
1: one more time do it one more time
0: and I would be the one to hold you down kiss you so hard I'll take your breath away and after I'd wipe away the tears just close your eyes dear and that sits a little weirder after reading that second verse I think um, because I think it becomes a little bit harder to see the second verse is just being like, "Oh, that could be sweet." With uh, I don't know, you know.
1: It, it it gives that last line, "Just close your eyes," dear a weird sort of finality, almost a fatal finality. It's, yeah. it it. I don't I don't like it. I'm I, I'm I kind of wish we hadn't have done the second Okay, so you know what I
0: mean? I take it. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I could see anybody taking the words to the song and just thinking of it coming from someone that they already love and trust. And I can see why people make this their wedding song without knowing, mm-hmm. without knowing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she said she like smiles to herself and is like, "Well, you have no idea." But I mean, Sting like, you said know, the same thing. Yeah, I yeah, mean. Yeah. You know, I you and you and I I don't know much about your and Jen's marriage mm-hmm. and your love for each other. Okay, but I know that you're both. I don't think you guys love like this. I don't think that you have like this kind of relationship. I think you guys have a silly love. Kiss in a you lot of so ways. hard,
1: I'll take your breath away. Yeah, that's not us. Right. No.
0: So, but I think that there are a lot of relationships yeah. out there where, like, a woman if, if a woman had their guy pick up a guitar and sing you, my body aches to breathe your breath, your words keep me alive, Mm -hmm. that that is very deep and that would be very meaningful. And the woman would be like, Oh my God, there
1: are some that would, there are some people out there that I, I I think would, uh, that would, that could, that could interpret it that way. Um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't really work that way in my house. I think my wife would probably not look at it the same. My wife would not look at that the same <laughs> Glad way. We had a my wife, yeah. I mean. she did not. She's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just it wouldn't work that way. You guys
0: are like a punk rock girl love song. It's, relationship. There's a lot of
1: stupidity, a lot of
0: silliness, a lot
1: of silliness, a lot. I and mean, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing I, wrong. with Can silliness? I just say? Yeah I have said things on here that have got me in trouble before we're we're treading into that territory again There's a lot of laughter in our lovemaking <laughs> Sure I mean, I mean and that's... that a lot of people would go that might be a little weird right. you know but we are goofy people And that's we and are goofy yes, yeah You
0: guys aren't tying each other up
1: No we no we don't do that that's right. not us And that's fun It
0: is stupid sometimes that, and that's fine dumb yeah and and I think that that's I think there's something very wonderful about right that.
1: we don't have that I'm going to fall into you overwhelmingly
0: you romantic. guys are not ma- making love to crash into me by Dave oh Matthews my game. god that you should put it on one night just to see how she reacts. I've done it not
1: that <laughs> I, I put on what I thought was a romantic song one night and it just did not
0: it was all I want to it do is just, make love to you no <laughs> <laughs> It Did you come that... right when he, she said, "Please, please understand, I'm in love with another man"? <laughs>
1: no, no, it just it. I, I just very, very early on, I thought, I thought, oh well, girls like this. No, no, she. That's not. That's not us. That's not who we are. Um, we turn on the cramps. Okay. Yeah. yeah I am mean, sorry. That's so we, you and, know. Oh, yeah. Janet Jackson. We
0: like Janet Jackson. That's our music. Okay. Yeah. We that, like. That's Janet. awesome. Yeah. Seth fucks to Janet Jackson. That Wait, I, I've done that. Um. So we get a little like musical interlude thing, mm-hmm. um, and then we get. I don't even know what this is. is this is a verse or is this a bridge? What you call it? It's. I, I can't. Here's the thing, Mark.
1: I, I think we discussed this at the beginning. I can't really call it a bridge because the dynamics don't fall out of the verse chorus. The verse and chorus meld into each other to where they're almost, you know, in 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 unintelligible, indifferential. You can't really tell where one starts and one ends, except for that one little hook that we talked about. And uh, and and it's and it goes for this. It goes for this third part. It sounds
0: just like another verse. And it is called verse three. So we'll call it a verse into this night. I wander. It's morning that I dread another day of knowing of the path I fear to tread. Oh, into the sea of waking dreams. I follow without pride because nothing stands between us here and I won't be denied. Mark, well, please say
1: what you got to say, because I got some shit to say.
0: I ain't just uh, heebie-jeebies.
1: Yeah, way, but um, since you're not jumping on this, I'm going to. This is the, the verse that I love, hate the most. Okay, I mean, love the insightfulness of it. Maybe I'm thinking as I'm sitting here talking to you that maybe she took these lines directly from somebody. Maybe somebody out there. It doesn't have to be Yui, the guy that that you know um, (coughs) that uh, sued her, that that litigated. It could have been from somewhere else. It's so goddamn insightful. Another day of knowing of the path I fear to tread, like that person wakes up with an ache in the morning that they know is never really going to be satisfied that they that is never going going to be taken away, and in a sea of waking dreams it, once again, a person that you know uh it looks to them like there's this this object. That's almost ethereal out there that they're reaching out for that they're never going to catch like it's like it's some sort of dream. Uh, nothing I follow without pride. That's a person that's trying to get some sort of um, self-awareness, you know, and standing by that. Pride. Eliminating pride is or recognizing it is an easy thing to do, I think. I think for a lot of people when they, you know, when they when they can't come up with a good answer, just saying I was full of pride is an easy way of, you know, cutting into yourself without cutting deep enough to acknowledge weakness, so to speak. Sure. You know, um and nothing stand and I I I won't be denied just fucking hurts.
0: I mean, that just that just hurts. Um I'm going to reread a section of that very long quote that I read before about putting herself into their shoes. Um, as a woman living with that fear in the back of your mind every day with the possibility of being raped. And so it's kind of weird for me, but then I save myself that I, that I think is that's the very interesting part. Very I telling. save myself in the third verse by saying I'd never really act on it except in my dreams. And because she's talking about writing from the vantage point of the obsessed fan but it is also talking about herself and the possibility of her being raped. It kind of does this weird thing where she says me mm. and you can't tell if you mean if she means her or the me, her Sarah McLachlan or me, this obsessed fan that I am playing the part of. Um, so when she says, uh, then I save myself, mm-hmm. you can't, it, it's hard to say whether or not she means, Saving Sarah McLachlan self because he's only talking about it being in a dream. So she's safe or she's saying that the me is the obsessed fan who is saving themselves by saying, I'm just talking about it in a dream.
1: It totally could be either one. I mean, it, it totally fits on either one. I mean, clearly.
0: Uh, which one do you think it is? Well, I mean, she I, does I, say in the I third verse by saying, "I'd never really act on it in sec- except in my dreams," which means, I guess, she's talking about the vantage point of the of ob- the of obsessive, obsessive fate.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is.
0: So again, we're we're kind of talking about her that supreme empathy of like trying to give the the obsessive uh, an out.
1: Or, or at least just walking
0: in his shoes, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, things. like, she's talking about, about him saving, you know, she's talking about making a situation where he's saving himself by talking in, by talking about it only being in a dream. Oh. So she's, it's like she's making it so it's easily digestible that he has these thoughts because he's only talking about dreams. It's okay. Right. Well obviously that's we intense. know we know
1: it went a lot further, so yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty.
0: Yeah. Um and she said maybe that's putting me into a false sense of reality, but it did help. This was a very therapeutic thing for her. Yeah, we don't to know. We're not in her head. No. no. And I cannot imagine. Look, I've I've felt unsafe before. I've I've been in downtown Fort Myers late at night <laughs> and I've felt unsafe before. I've had people follow me i've i've felt unsafe but never <laughs> never ever ever have i felt this level of unsafe that she has experience that she that women experience on a daily
1: basis that tons of women and tons of people feel on a da- daily basis yeah
0: yeah um uh addendum. following the album's release, uh Uwe Vondre sued mclaughlin as we mentioned before, for songwriting credit, claiming she used parts of his letters in the lyrics. He asked for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and a televised meeting with mclaughlin where they would discuss the song. <laughs> and then he committed suicide on September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four. I believe that's the day my mom died, September twenty eighth. No way not nineteen ninety four. No, not, not,
1: not ninety four, no.
0: But uh but yeah.
1: <coughs> Did you know, there is there was a famous video of a guy that was um, obsessed with Bjork. Oh, yeah. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Man, that was some scary shit. That was yes. some really, really scary shit, man. For about I'm... two
0: years, he sent letters to McLaughlin, but never contacted her in person or sent any other items. The letters, however, were pretty intense when he filed his lawsuit against McLaughlin. He sent copies of his letters to the radio station. CKCU. Oh. Uh... Boy, oh boy!
1: Yeah, um, this was interesting. I don't want to say fun, but interesting. Getting into the head of uh, an obsessed fan, which we've actually done quite a bit. But then at the same time, on on, on the opposite side of the same coin, uh, a sympathetic victim, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I don't is I don't know if that's something that we've come across. I mean, yeah, I guess it is. With uh, Take a Chance on Me When we did that one Although I don't know if it was expressed in the song uh, I'm not sure We'd have to go back and listen to it But uh, we do know that You know the, the girl from, um, from ABBA wound up Marrying Boy this is, this is As we're sitting here talking about this Really shining a light on these songwriters On these, on these ladies Yeah I mean um, this is definitely less of a ha-
0: I mean I don't think we talked one shit About these lyrics No no, uh, no, like I told you, as a piece of poetry, it's it's grand. It's, yeah. it's, it's insightful. But, yeah, I mean, to write the song about uh, a dude who fucking, you know, was obsessing over you and then killing himself. Uh, hoof. What, uh, what do you got for a creep factor, my friend? Dude,
1: dude. <laughs> Remember, two weeks in a row we were at zero, man.
0: Yeah, we had to up the ante.
1: We way had to. This is just... I mean, I think every breath you take, you gave You gave it... Well, didn't you give it a 9.9? Something like that. It was yeah. very, very high yeah. up there. And... Um, is it... The question to myself is, should I rate it higher knowing about Yui and what happened and all the other... Things that took place that that drove her to write this song. should I should it go higher because of my knowledge? Should it stand on the on the lyrics alone? Now if you stand on the lyrics alone, if you stand on just the words, you're getting um, a, simp- like we said, a, a sympathetic view at times. And um, should that lower the score? I, I don't know that it should because I think overall, that this song should be a lesson between the viewpoint of an obsessed fan and the reaction of a sympathetic songwriter, and how should uh, a person that that comes across this, how should they respond? How how should they respond? Uh, you know, I, I suppose it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're looking at it as a case study, um it 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 would just be something that you mechanically observe and you try to rationalize the best outcome if you're a parent this is a 10,000 you know like I am if if you're a friend it's obviously going to be something that you're going to suggest that shit maybe you shouldn't put it on the record sarah you don't want to go off acting like you're, you're uh you're sympathetic to these people that send you these crazy crazy letters that could possibly kill you you know um as I'm sitting here
0: talking about it, I said, Mark, I'm giving it a 9.9. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving well, I mean, 9. how can you not, I guess? I, I mean, it is... This is one of the highest we've ever done. Yeah. And yeah, kind of like you were saying, on one end, there's the the just the story itself. And on the other end, it's her writing from the point of view of that person. And though it is therapeutic for her, and I think that that's wonderful... It's also kind of Scary that um, You know I, I feel like maybe I'm missing something Or something being lost in translation I, I, agree. But, I agree You know I know that she did this in a way that was therapeutic for her And maybe that's why the Oh well, it was all in a dream Is supposed to uh, Just help her cope with it but it just comes across As Ultimately trying to let him off the hook a Ableist little bit. Ableist uh, I don't,
1: know I don't, I don't know. know I don't know You're right It feels like there's something missing Something we haven't caught Yeah I'll give it a 9.8 I I, yeah. yeah Yeah This is a scary fucking song man It is It's it's As as poetry I give it like A 9.5 It's really good It really not, is not, It's not a creep factor That's not a creep factor That's a That's a Like I think it's insightful I do think it's empathetic I think that it's uh, that that you know it's uh, it, it's it's well constructed, just as poetry. This is this is really really good. At the same time, it's scary, and I don't know if I would want to go putting something out this in the world. You know.
0: Next up, what are we doing, Mark? This is one that's been on the list for a little while. Oh, Mark, Mark, we did we forgot
1: something. We owe a huge thank you to Andrew Milnar, Milnar, Milner, Milner, the the person oh, yeah. who made us aware of this song.
0: Thank you. Yeah,
1: dude, you said in your in your uh in your email I don't think you're going to be upset that I mentioned it. You say if I sat around and thought about it, I could probably think of more. Andrew, sit around and think about it. That was that was a a uh, an out of the park home run uh when it came to song suggestions thank you so much for that uh listeners please sit around and think about it mark what are we doing next week
0: all day i dream about sex by corn
1: <laughs> okay we're going to do adidas
0: but <laughs> the all hit right. new metal band corn oh great <laughs> never done a corn song nope pumped about doing this one what a piece of shit. <laughs> It'll be much yeah. less intense um, than this. Now, now, we
1: have listeners that I know that like this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them.
0: I mean, <laughs> I can almost guarantee Si loves corn and loves this song. I can. I Dollars to donuts. I'm going to get a message from her saying, no, you, you can't do, no, you can't do corn. I love them. Um. yeah she, I feel
1: like she defended some real stinkers in the past man. yeah I mean yeah. well she just she, you know,
0: look some people just like kinds like of music that like. we don't like and yeah. that's okay uh, but I'm not gonna it's not gonna make me like uh, ICP I'm sorry um, yeah me neither Seth anything you want to say before we wrap up here
1: thank you for listening please go on the Facebook lyrics to go page uh, the Instagram page and please send us sit around and think about it and send us some suggestions on lyrics to go pod at gmail.com and if you would please put a review up somewhere out there in in the intranets
0: world apple specifically if you can i know it's a little bit of a pain um but it does help us and maybe one day more people will listen to us and tell two friends Uh, i will also mention um as soon as we're done with this I'm going to have myself a little treat. Right. And I'm going to watch season six of Drive to Survive, which releases. comes out today. today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so oh. I am very, very excited to watch Max Verstappen beat everyone's ass all over again. I'm going to watch the last episodes of season two of The Bear. Ooh. That's what I'm going to watch. Fishes was damn good. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious fishes. Ladies and gentlemen adidas all day i dream about sex because corn's so clever please listen to that before next monday uh i hope you all have a fantastic week uh and uh join us again won't you
1: don't be afraid to catch fish
0: (laughs) next monday for another episode of lyrics to go